This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, welcome to Rule the Roost, episode 14. I'm not Jack, I'm obviously Raj, but I'm, I'm introducing it this week. As always, I'm, I'm with Jack though. You there? Hello, I'm here. It's a bit strange doing it this way around. I know it is, isn't it? I, I quite like it. I'm, you know, I feel like I've maybe been a bit of a megalomaniac. No, I mean, um, you do a good job of it, but we'll, we'll soon see whether people enjoy the jarring experience of hearing me first rather than you. All right, okay, I'll well, see where you're going. So we've, we've called this... The Luca Modric special. I, I think I've called it Mother Luca Modric special more than you have. I've got to say, little before we go into Tottenham, little shout out to to Ratface. There, it was a fucking phenomenal performance in El Clasico. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, um, as I, as I said on the night, for people who were who were making uh, jarring comments towards Bale and and his performance, just look at the position Modric was in when he joined the club in a, a similar situation at a similar point. And uh, how he's playing now, it's um, it's very much different. And also for added context as to how Barcelona set up to counter the way Real Madrid were playing, if you look at how apparently awful Gareth Bale played, Ronaldo was similarly just as anonymous. Um, so I don't know what you want to take from that, but I, I think people are very harsh on Gareth Bale. Oh, they are for the moment. I mean, it's, it's very knee-jerk. I remember... Marker predictably um, put in Luka Modric as the worst signing of the year when he, I think it was around January last year that they said he was. But by the end of the year, he was holding his own within the team, and um, I think he's he's pretty much made the uh, the starting midfield spot one of his own, and he's um, he's finally getting played in his his right position, and he's um, he's enjoying life out there now, which is um, something I don't begrudge him of whatsoever. Uh, as, as I've said many a time on this show, he's he's probably the my favourite footballer that I've ever seen for, for Tottenham in, in my lifetime. Right, anyway, he's not Tottenham. Fuck them all. Forget about them. <laughs> Hull, 1-0. AVB hates us. We hate AVB. Deja vu. Yeah. I mean, where, where do we start, Raj? I'd personally like to start um, with Steve Bruce's flat-back nine. Um, because... Yeah. People can talk about playing attractive, marauding football all they want, but if another team, a Premier League team, can set up in such a negative fashion and then play on the break as they did, it doesn't matter how good you are, there's there's very little you can do against that sort of relentless defence. 
it happens to to all the biggest teams across the world, and it's something that they struggle with. It's not it's not something that big teams universally get right. It's something that they have to work towards. I mean, scoring early will always help, but so will scoring whenever. It's 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 odd that that people are so negative towards the team performance when they they're quite clearly being stopped from being from playing the way the way in which they wish. I mean, I entirely agree that we've got to find a way around it, and I think we will in time. But the fact that we're still winning these games, even though I think previously we wouldn't have, is um is is to our credit more than anything else. I can't I can't fault a performance in which we win. Had we drawn it, perhaps I'd I'd look back on it and, and think that we needed to change it a little bit more. But as we've said previously, with things that we've we've done wrong in the past, we've got the sort of manager that will find a way to try and fix it. I mean, speaking of the manager, we all have criticised the White Hart Lane atmosphere as of late, as of the past couple of seasons. I myself, well, not all of us. People have a, a similar of a similar uh, outlook to ourselves. Okay, yeah, okay. To be um, fair, and I'm. I myself, I was going to say, but yeah, whatever. My grammar's awful. Everyone knows this. You know, you know, as I keep saying on here. I've been particularly vociferous about the poor atmosphere at White Hart Lane. Um, I haven't been able to attend as much as I would like this season. Thus, I don't really feel it right for me to criticise the atmosphere of a stadium that I'm not in. Um, But as much as I may agree with what AVB has said, uh, I personally don't feel it was the right thing for him to do to come out um, and call the fans on it like that. I think, uh, I, I can't remember where the quote is from. It might have actually been Fergie, one of the things that he said, that there have been times over the years where the Old Trafford crowd have gotten to him or gotten to some of the players. But one of the unwritten rules about football is you've always got to keep the crowd on side. No matter if they have been moaning and booing you or whatever, you just got to get out there and accept that it's part and parcel of the game. And I think for AVB to come out and say that, from a game where it wasn't particularly bad, they weren't booed off the pitch, they weren't booed at half-time, it's a bit a bit out of turn. And it, it seems to me that he's, do you think, maybe personally frustrated? I don't know, that's, that's purely speculation. But Well, I'm <clears throat> about 90% into something I was writing for the site which begins by saying that the only mistake that AVB's made in saying it is that he hasn't said it sooner. And the thing that I looked up straight after the game when there was a lot said and written about it, I, I like to, to not to not try and turn around something immediately because you, you kind of, you need to look at these things with a bit more retrospect and a bit more uh, contextual context around the matter. You need to look into it a bit more, wait for, for things to die down before you can actually analyse it. The first thing I went to is a dictionary and I looked up the the definition of supporter and I looked up the definition of spectator. A supporter is a person or a thing that supports or an adherent, a follower, a backer or an advocate. A spectator is a person who looks on or watches, an onlooker or observer, or a person who is present and views spectacle, display or the like, a member of an audience. And I think that's that's the the break in the Tottenham the Tottenham fandom at the moment. The people inside White Hart Lane, people need to decide whether they're supporting the team or whether they're spectating the team. Um, it's nobody's God given right to tell you how to support your football club, but if the way in which you're behaving inside the ground is a detriment to the people on the field, 
how is that going to make you feel any better when those people who are only human cannot perform their jobs as well as they may as they may wish because the fans aren't getting behind them it's not a it sounds a bit cheesy it sounds a bit far fetched that the fans inside a stadium can can lift a team but if you just look at a cup performance from when a lower league side beats a better side if you go back to Leeds last year the amount of their fans, it was a cup final day for them. The 40,000 people inside the overside skip that is Ellen Road sung their heart out and loved every minute of it. That lifted their average players on the field to perform over and above which they usually do in the league. It isn't a, 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 an unknown phenomenon. It isn't an unknown quantity. If you create an atmosphere, if you make somewhere enjoyable for somebody to do the job in which they have to, they will do it, and they will do it to a level which is over and above what they do in in a, in a poor atmosphere. And the fact that the manager's had to come out and he feels it's now at a level where it's harming performances is embarrassing for the people that that behave like that in the ground. I can't I can't view it any other way. I mean, if you want to sit and watch it silently, that's one thing. But if you want to grumble, fuck off. Strong words. Um, I just also want to say I've been having a look in the dictionary recently, Raj. Uh, and I looked up the word wanker, and it said C. Raj Baines. <laughs> Just throwing that in there. Uh, well, I looked up a, <laughs> the word cunt, and it had a, a picture of your face in it. Oh, there we go. Um, that's <laughs> particularly complimentary of me, Oxford. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, Tottenham versus Hull, that's our next game coming up, aside for the league Can't game. Can't wait for it again, league Cup. Uh, What a bore off, you know. Seriously, having to play well, them again. The guy last week said it'd be a write-off and that they'd play all their shit players, but they played all their shit players this weekend and they still managed to bore us for 90 minutes. So it'll be exactly the same with a, a different 11. But um, I very much hope that we, we take it as a as a chance to um, to experiment a little and, and play a little differently. I mean, um, similarly, we're, we're probably going to be switching it up and I can see us playing the same side that played against away against Villa, maybe. Perhaps. Um, I'd want to, to introduce uh, Adibayor because he, he's fit now. He's, he's, he's apparently match fitting in the first team. Um, and I'd want to I'd wanna make a, a small switch from the 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3. With Dembele not playing this weekend, uh, Sigurdsson not playing as well, um, we've got a chance to let those two play in the centre of a park in a 4-3-3 with, with Dembele just behind and with Holtby as well. Interesting. Um, so... It'd make it a tiny bit more attacking than than having Sandra, who really does need a rest now um, after coming back from an injury. And then um, if you'd like Kirikesh play again in Kabul, if he's fit, um, I think the only other thing I'd do is is start Gomez as well, which is when I, when I tweeted out this formation earlier, the one that raised the most eyebrows. But um, as I've often said, Brad Friedel doesn't suit the, the style in which we currently play because he doesn't realise that a goalkeeper has an area. He just thinks he has to stand on his line. So I, you know, what, of, yeah. Sorry, carry on. The number of times we've conceded due to his static mobility and his, his lack of willing to, to run out or close down and, and and do things that aren't on his line is immeasurable last season. I think I can genuinely attribute. The, the Leeds game especially is, is two goals where he didn't come off his line and we, we conceded there. I don't think Hugo would have conceded those. And um, the Basel games as well, he was, he was terrible. And I remember one of the goals wasn't went straight through his arms. So he, he, he's genuinely, he's a player on the decline. And Gomez, for all of his faults, for all of those howlers, 
I think suits our style a bit more. He 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 will run out. He will make rash challenges. He's nowhere near on the same level as um, as uh, Hugo is, but he, he'll he'll try and fit into the system much more than Friedel will. Um, and I'm more than willing to give him another go in the, the first team. Otherwise, what's the point in in still having him in our wage bill? I mean, a point that was raised that was quite because. When you first tweeted us, I said, Gomez, how about? But it makes more sense than, than you think in the respect that we loaned him out to Hoffenheim. He became Hoffenheim's captain. Um, he's younger than Friedel. And we've seen that in the past, as much as he has had these enormous clangers, he's still also been a very, very good goalkeeper. And if it is just the case that he is playing as our backup keeper and he's fully aware that he will be playing second fiddle to Lloris... I don't see any issue with giving him a go, personally. No, I mean, I entirely agree. He's either sublime or disastrous. I remember the goal that Danny Rose scored in the 2-1 at Arsenal at home. He saved three points in that game. There was three one. There were three chances, I think. A Van Persie header, Van Persie free kick, and then a Sol Campbell header as well. Don't you dare say that name ever again. That He, he clawed out of nowhere. He made three game-saving saves within about a 10-minute stretch at the end of that game. And we wouldn't have won it had he not been in goal. He's one of the... He, he, he saves things that no other goalkeeper in the world could could get to. And on the other hand, he, he lets things in that no other competent goalkeeper in the world would either. So it's that's the, the risk with him. He's very jackal and high, to use a more cliched phrase. There we go. Um, so moving away from the most boring... The double header we've probably ever I hope had we in spank our him. I hope we spank him and uh, I hope we, we get past them just because it was so horrible to see a team perform like that at White Lane. And the fact that they almost did score a couple of times just made it that much bit, that bit worse. I hope we win 7-0 and AVB runs into the centre circle at the end of the pitch shouting, Are you not entertained? to the crowd. <laughs> that would be quite good, wouldn't it? Um, anyway... We've got a, uh, a league fixture coming up against Everton. All right, then. Well, yeah, we're joined this evening by Ian and... Um, shit, I've got... Is Sam... Is it Sam? Sorry. So, oh, Christ. Sorry. That's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> Ian and Simon, how rude of me. Um, but, from nice, the... to, nice to see that ever the fucking professional, isn't <laughs> Same as us. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're here from the NSNO podcast, um, which is an Everton podcast, of course. Um, given that they are our opposition this week. So, uh, yeah, um, tell us a bit more about yourselves, boys, because I know it's a bit more than a podcast, what you do. Website. Uh, uh, well, yeah, so website, the website really has been going nearly 10 years now. Um, we started on the same day that Wayne Rooney broke his foot and never played a game for Everton again. Uh, it's a good omen. Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've got better since then, uh, as a website and as a team. Um, but, yeah, we did a podcast, I think, the first one we did was about 2005. Uh, then we didn't do another one for about four years and did a few more. And we've kind of flitted between the idea of doing one monthly and not doing one ever again. Um, and we're kind of somewhere <laughs> in between that at the moment. Well, I hope this is uh, I hope this is a positive experience. It gets you back on the, on the road to doing them more regularly. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah well, we'll wait and see, eh, shall we? Um, so I guess, well, well, we'll start on a bit more about how you think your summer went. Um, it was a... Uh, a season of, of transition, you could say, a lot of change. I think we're going to have a few different views on this, so I'll let Barley go first. All right, well, uh, how about yeah. start on Moyes out, Martinez in, then? Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> well, Moyes out. 
my results I was happy with, more than happy with, because I couldn't stand them. <laughs> That's the only, interesting. Uh, the only unfortunate thing is we got uh, a manager that I can stand less, because um, I can't, I couldn't bear Martinez at Wigan. I, I like him less at Goodison. <laughs> what is it you don't like about him? Is it him as a bloke, or is it his football, or a bit of everything? Uh, I think it's just the fact that he's Roberto Martinez, and I think he looks like. <laughs> I think it's it's because it, 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 every time I look at him, he reminds me of fucking Chico off the X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a major problem with that. <laughs> I, I, that's fair enough, actually. To be, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <I'm, laughs> I don't I'm know. Sure it is. From that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 it's, uh, it's an opinion based format. This, so you know, that, uh, can't say fairer yeah, than I'm, that. Well, I, I, just just yeah. to counterbalance that, we've lost a manager who bottled it in every big game he ever managed, and we've got a manager who doesn't essentially. Um, the FA Cup final against Man City. Be... Go on. But he got a team relegated, and that pisses me. But he won the FA Cup. Yeah, oh fucking and, wow! And Everton aren't going to get relegated. We're not Wigan. So did Joe Royal. Joe Royal won the FA Cup and didn't get Everton relegated. Yeah, but he fucking <laughs> away from not getting relegated on me. I'm, I'm loving this. Uh... <laughs> not bad, is it really? He's only lost the one game. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly couldn't give a flying shite. <laughs> but after all them years of starting crap in league under Mize, where he, he struggled every year to actually start well, to actually have 18 points from nine games isn't too bad, is it? Yeah, I understand. I understand the... Uh... I understand that he's doing well right at the minute, but when he slips and falls on his ass, um, then not that I'll be happy because it's my Everton, you know what I mean? It's 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 uh, it's not what I want to happen, but I can just see it happening. I mean, I, me. I, I mean are you happy with sort of the football he's playing? Because I know that he's often been someone that's been lauded as playing like a very kind of technical but attractive brand of football. I mean, have you seen a, a difference in your style this this season compared to how you were with Moyes? Yeah, uh, sort of. We, we, we are very we very much more attacking at the moment. Um, but I think that's more down to Lukaku than um, anything else. If you get one of it, it's to me. Uh, I want Everton to be an attacking team. That, that's fine, uh, and I want us to play good football. I'm a spoiled Evertonian. You see, I'm an old bastard. Um, <laughs> I watched Everton win the league and stuff, and it, it's it's not the same for me. It's just not. And I'm being sorry about this conversation many times, and he, he quite likes Martinez, and he's, Martinez is saying all the right words and doing all the right press things, and he's just bugging the fuck out of me, to be honest. I mean, what is it? All right, to go to the to go to the flip side, Simon. What is it? I mean, that you particularly like about him as as the intern there. Uh, I think I think it's the positive attitude that he comes out, he comes out with both on the pitch in in the football that he likes his team to play and in his press conferences. I know Wigan fans got really frustrated about him um, being so positive, and I think they got beat eight uh, nil. I think it was by you. Lot. No, it was, it was by Chelsea. Nine one by you guys, and eight yeah. nil by Chelsea. Um, and he still came home and said that they played some great football. Which is a bit bizarre. <laughs> well, we we can almost sympathise with that because when we had Harry Redknapp um, off the pitch, what he used to say whenever we'd lose to a side that we shouldn't have done, he'd always come out after the game and goes, "Oh, there's nothing I could have asked more of them. Uh, it's just one of those days." And the more and more you heard that, the more and more you got irritated with him. So you can almost see where 
where that point of view comes from. But the fact he's only been there a handful of weeks, it's Absolutely. almost as if you haven't given him time yet. Well, at, at the moment, he's winning matches, so I don't care what he says after the game. Uh, I, Everton invited us into the press box for the last pre-season friendly of the, of the summer, and we I interviewed Martinez after the game, and he was overwhelmingly positive despite the fact that Real Betis had made us look quite average at times in the, in the pre-season uh, game. But it, we, we're, playing, we're playing teams off the park. We play badly and win at the moment as well, which is the sign of a quality side. Yeah, I mean, well, this is kind of one of the big, uh, big debates that's rumbling on at Spurs at the moment is there's quite a few people who aren't particularly fond of the, the style of football that AVB's got us playing, but it's it's been our best ever Premier League start. So where do you draw the line on what's a good start and what's not? Is it about the football you're playing? Is it about the results? Is it how the results are coming about? You know? I think the only thing that matters is what is the results. Yeah, if we win 1-0 <laughs> and it, it's shit and we still win 1-0, I don't care as long as we win. Do you know what? I think it's just my issues with Martin is that I've got be saying all that rather than him himself. Who would you rather have come in then if you were if you were Bill Kenwright, who would you have been hiring? Oh fuck thank God I'm not fucking Bill Kenwright. There's <laughs> 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 have people marching on me house. <laughs> well you might have more money to your game like but if you had that power like, hypothetically who who would you have rather? My 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 big choice was uh Vitor Pereira, you know the Porto guy, as we called him <laughs> so lovingly we sold up and he calls him the Porto guy on our website. Yeah. Um, I wanted him. That was my one and only choice. Why would you rather have him who hasn't had Premier League experience over Martinez who has? Because he didn't get his team relegated and I think he lost two games in two years. And he doesn't look like Chico from the X Factor. And he doesn't look like Chico <laughs> from the X Factor. I mean, I mean Martinez might be a nice guy and, and you know, I haven't met him yet. I haven't been fortunate enough to meet him yet. Whereas Sayas and people have said, I will change my opinion if I meet him. But I also want to strangle him for looking like Chico. <laughs> that it could be worse, though. He could look like Jedward. That's true. <laughs> it could be worse. He could look like fucking Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp's quite an attractive old woman. <laughs> <laughs> he's got lovely long brown curly teeth. Do you know what? Though? He's done really, really well to marry Louise out of Eternal. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was someone was saying on Twitter the other day, him and Steve Bruce are in competition for playing Widow Twanky in the Premier League's Panto this year. Uh, Sam Allardyce has got that one sewn up every year running. (laughs) So, I I mean, moving to Moyes, kind of sidestepping to him a bit. Do you, were you surprised that United came in for him? Was it something that was long in the offing? Um, And are you surprised by really how poorly he's done so far with them? No one, no. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, every summer, every time uh, Alex Ferguson talked about retiring, David Moyes' name was mentioned. I am surprised that he actually got the job, given that we spent the last 11 years watching his teams play football, watching his tactical ineptitude, and watching how much he bottles it in big games. The FA Cup semi-final uh, two years ago, when we played the worst Liverpool side in living memory, and we were winning 1-0, and we got beat 2-1. What do you have to mention that for? Because we're talking about David Moyes, and it's my favourite <laughs> subject. <laughs> well, the decent <laughs> thing, that Moyes spent 10 years trying to get Everton over Man United, and now he's at United, he's finally done it. So hey. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's not too bad. Yeah, but 
has he beat Liverpool yet? No, yeah. he still lost the way in Liverpool. No, no, he yeah, beat them in the, in the Carling Cup. Capsule won Cup, didn't he? Yeah. yeah well, oh, yeah, we they beat did, them yeah. in the Cup as well. We beat them in the Cup as well, though, didn't we? So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, not yeah, when it mattered, like. We, we sort of knew Moyes was going down this end. We, we sort of knew Moyes was going a long time before Moyes did, I think. Well, we um we were linked to him this season and we actually got AVB in and I think he was doing uh, punditry work for the BBC and he was he was still making like kissy faces at us and the fact his name was linked with our club, he, he wasn't out ruling himself out by any means. He was still making himself sound interested. So He, he did that with the Newcastle job before Pardew got his 300-year contract as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there was, there was a few people said that he was really disappointed that he didn't actually get the Newcastle job, which for me, again, highlighted the kind of man that he is and the kind of level that he's he's probably best serving at. Uh, he's gone to Man United and the, his next job's going to be the Scotland international manager's job. Yeah. And, and he'll tell the That's Scottish the how great it is. Well, he'll tell the Scottish how great it is that they've drawn 1-1 with San Marino. <laughs> um, well, to be fair for them, that probably is a good result. That's a step up today. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a last-minute dodgy penalty, but... <laughs> You know. Stephen Naismith will score. <laughs> I'll say about Stephen Naismith, lads. I'll say about Stephen Naismith. See what he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, going along the trend of your exodus to United, uh, uh, we sad to see Fellaini go as well. Uh, you got good money for him, in fairness, but... We got, we got good money see- for him in the end, but no, not sad to see him go at all. Really, I mean, because the the way it's kind of painted is that he was your your linchpin of sorts, really. I would say to the to the outsider at least. Yeah, I, I can see where that comes from. Uh, we we spent uh, two, maybe three years of watching the money turn up when the telecameras did. Exactly. When you watch his highlights on Match of the Day, he's a phenomenal player. When you watch him shrug his shoulders after giving the ball away against Wigan, uh, Roberto Martinez is Wigan who beat us three nil at Goodison Park, by the way. Um, and he just shrugs his shoulders as if to say, well, I'm not going after that. Then you just think, enough's enough. Take your afro and <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take your afro and fucking I have Johnny Eitinger in it. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you see Baines going as well eventually? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's the Gareth Bale situation, to be honest. Yeah. Baines, Baines is too good for a club that isn't finishing in the top four. And unfortunately... At the moment, Everton aren't finishing in the top four. It's it's a shame, really, when you have to kind of consider things in that way. Because I don't know, I'd say we're two clubs that are very similar, to be honest, in our in our stature, probably in our history as well. Um, and yeah, well, again, we, we we were talking to the the Villa chaps last week, um, who were saying a similar thing that forever we're still stuck in this state of flux, whereby if we have a half decent player, they're they're gonna really ultimately end up going to one of the big four. Um, and then it leaves you in the position, well, how do we break that monopoly? Because I know you've done it um, once. We've done it a couple of times, despite us only getting rewarded with the Champions League once. Um, <laughs> well, that nearly happened to And we've both that, got... That, that the uh, Liverpool come from uh, eighth in the league or something because he'd yeah, won it the previous season. It's because of that game in Istanbul that we've got to we missed out the year that Chelsea defended their way to it. So yeah. well, I thought it was, yeah. 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 Because well, they had that situation. Yeah, they had that situation where they complained that they wouldn't be able to defend their title. Yeah. 
because you lot had, had finished above them in the league, and then because we'd done the same to Chelsea, that that precedent was set. So we got fucking kicked out of it, and they they were allowed to play. So we got Europa League football again when we'd like finished fact, several points above. Kid, it was the only, the only fat kid in the street to have a fucking ball. <laughs> well, the, the, we we essentially got kicked out of it the year Liverpool complained because they hired their. Kalina to referee our qualifying game <laughs> and he disallowed a perfectly good goal which would have put us into the group stages and that was us in the Europa League and uh, Dynamo Bucharest enjoyed it I mean what would you boys say is a, a realistic kind of ambition for you f- for this year um, I mean obviously everyone wants top four but can you see yourselves breaking in you've, you've made a, a bloody good start to the season in fairness I think top four is probably achievable I think out of out of the teams that are in competition with us, it's probably Spurs and Man United that are going to be the competition for the fourth spot. Um, I know Southampton and Liverpool are up there at the moment, but both of those will tail off. Luis Suarez will have his 10-game ban to serve at some point during the season for biting someone or whatever they other crime he invents. <laughs> um, Southampton, they'll, they'll, eventually their manager will learn to speak English and that will just completely destroy the relationship he's got with the players because they'll actually be able to understand him. Um, and that leaves us, us two and Man United. And David Moyes, unless he actually grows a set and buys a couple of players... I don't see Man United finishing top four this season. I mean, it's going to be crazy, isn't it, if they don't? It'll be good crazy. See, but the only thing for me, I've, I've, I've always got a bit of a soft spot for United because they've stopped our scummy rivals winning the league a lot more. <laughs> they won't stop them this season, though. Oh, you don't think they'll... Do you think they'll do it as, a, yeah. as an impartial? Oh, no, please don't. <laughs> please don't say that. <laughs> well, they'll pick up. They've almost, they've almost played in a similar way to Everton have, where they've started badly, and then you used to pick up around just after New Year. You won't play for the first half of the season, but yeah. once he'd finally like got his feet under the table, he used to be able to, to turn it around somewhat towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think... If Alex Ferguson stops going the game, then Moyes might be able to concentrate on his team. Yeah, fair play. Um, yeah, sorry, you were going to say. I was going to say, with Fergie there, I can see the point, because he, 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 imagine him walking at that stadium, walks past the man's statue, looks up from his manager's seat and he sees his stand. It's not an act anyone wanted to follow. <laughs> well, no, I'll be honest, he probably sees his bollocks every time he wakes up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Liverpool had the same situation in the 70s with Joe Fagan and Bill Shankly. Um, you know, we've got the famous joke that they built the, the Shankly gates to keep him out because uh, they, they banned him from the training ground. He used to go along and watch them train and the players were calling him boss and the new manager obviously couldn't follow that. Uh, I think Moyes has probably got the same situation at United where the players see Alex Ferguson in and around the players' lounge and in the stands and that's their manager. According to them, you know, David Moyes has got huge shoes to fill. And sometimes it looks like he's been set up for that four and the manager they actually wanted will come in once Moyes goes. You you can't help but feel that way. I mean, at the same time, I do almost feel quite bad for Moyes in respect that he's probably following what's arguably the greatest football manager that Europe, well, if not at least Britain, has ever seen, um, who won the league with a less than kind of extraordinary team. I mean, if you look at them man for man, you take, well, obviously got Van Persie Rooney, two world-class players, but then outside of that, it's just, there's a lot of players in there that you think, you know, 
would every single one of those players walk into either of our starting lineups? Um, you know, I don't think they would personally. But you've got a good point there. You've got a good point because it's it's you know, you know I can't really elaborate on that further. That is a very good point. There's only the likes of bear in mind. Will Fellaini walk into back into our squad now? No, no, he wouldn't, would he? Uh, who, who? I mean, who's sort of filled the void? Is it McCarthy or is it Barry or? It's a combination of the two, really, and, and Ross Barkley as well. Yeah, yeah, not forgetting him actually. Because I think Bar- uh, McCarthy and Barry do the untidy things. Um, although Robbie Savage on Match of the Day irritated the shit out of me by saying that Gareth Barry was an unsung hero, whereas every week on the on our forums, Gareth Barry is very much a sung hero. Um, yeah. James McCarthy had a big price tag, and he does things that go under the radar. Uh, he does things that no one really likes doing in football. He gets the ball off the opposition and gives it to someone who can actually play football. Um, and then Ross Barkley is the, the swashbuckling attacking midfielder that Marouane Fellaini was for 10 minutes have a season. Have you just used the word swashbuckling? I have. I've been saving that one up. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, all I'm going to see fucking... All I'm going to see is Barkley dressed as fucking Paris of the Caribbean. <laughs> I see him more as Sir Camelot, to be honest, though. Uh, like... <laughs> Shield riding his trusty steed called Gareth Barry. Um. What do you think about um, Barkley in the England squad? Do you think it's coming too soon for him? Because he's almost he's on a parallel with Andros Townsend at our place, where I'm of the opinion, um, largely a minority opinion, I must point out, that he's almost because he's he's slightly exciting and he's young that he's been promoted too quickly. I'd want to see him in the 21s a bit more. Is that is that something you'd feel with Barkley as well that he's almost been rushed ahead too much because the English uh, well we're fairly shit at football these days <laughs> I think we've been waiting for a couple of years with Barkley he has a really bad injury a couple of years ago broken leg which sort of curtailed his career slightly um, we've sort of been expecting it um, I don't think it's too soon yet but I think um, come next year Jordan the World Cup he will be fully ready for that whether he's playing for Chelsea I think he, he, it's important that he has decent people around him, to be honest, in terms of like his his personal advisors and that, because he is someone that's very much catching the eye. And you can see it being one of those things where a Man City comes in with silly money and they buy him and then they just stick him to, you know, as you've seen with Jack Rodwell, you know, yeah. how he's just been stuck on the bench and they do nothing with him. And I think it would be a real shame to lose a player, like obviously for yourself, but also for the national team as well. Um, so you've, you've got to hope that he does have decent people around him that will keep him grounded and realise that, you know, he should, uh, for the very least, be spending the next, you know, what, four years or so with Everton and just keep developing, being like a main figurehead in your team or at least, you know, there or thereabouts in the first team um, and just yeah. keep improving his game. We'd like to see him to stay for another four years at least. I just can't. I just can't see it happening. Yeah, I think so. I think, and with the point of view of the, the England call-up coming too early for either of those players, I think they're both good enough. I think the worry comes from both sets of supporters, really, in the summer. If they both go to Brazil, then they're going to be kept away from their agents, kept away from their family and things like that. And they're going to be talking to Steven Gerrard. <laughs> <laughs> which, which no one should ever be put through. Um, but, you know... <laughs> Gerard's going to be Stuck telling the them. 
how how much he regrets not leaving Liverpool and going to a, a, a big club. Um, and then you'll have the likes of Wayne Rooney, who's moved from Everton to United. Um, players like that are going to be getting in their ears and telling them all about the big money move they could get. Whereas they probably do belong staying at the clubs that have developed them and brought them through until they're sort of in the mid-20s. And then they can go and move for the big money contract if it's not available at their own club. But Is there not a danger that they'll get Jack Rodwell, does it were, and just end up lining a big club's bench somewhere? Well, it'd be quite useful if Roy Hodgson picked Jack Rodwell to go to Brazil and just add him loading the skips up on the coach or something just to show <laughs> what can happen to your career. Folding the bibs. Yeah, yeah. Give him Mario Balotelli bibs just to see if we can put them on. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's one horrible, horrible. Aside from the fact we've both got scummy red neighbours, there's one <laughs> horrible thing that our clubs have in common, um, and that's something by the name of StubHub. Um, oh, yeah. Now, I, I'd be interested to know because this is this is something that's really split Spurs fans. I think it's been possibly one of the most divisive things that we've ever had as a supporters group. Like there's there's infighting all the time about this about people's right to be able to sell a ticket for whatever price they want versus you know you should only be selling your ticket at face value onto other fans so on and so forth I mean what's the experience like for an Everton fan around StubHub um is there much <laughs> infighting of a similar ilk or I wouldn't so much call it infighting there's a, there's, there's a lot of people that are unhappy about it um I mean, I've, as you've as you've mentioned them I've just clicked onto their website and for our game uh, on Sunday, there's tickets going for <clears throat> essentially face value all over the ground. The most expensive ticket, I think, is £46 pound there. Uh, for the, the game afterwards, the home game afterwards against Liverpool, the cheapest ticket is £63. Pound. The most expensive ticket is, uh, well, it's 280 pounds £460. See, that's a fucking disgrace, man. It's absolutely disgusting. And the, the sad thing is, it was pointed out that it's probably not actually Everton fans that have bought that. Those tickets went on general sale, and it's probably a Liverpool fan who's bought it and wants to make some money out of an Everton fan. Well, it's going to have the rule where um, it's only your season ticket holders that can sell them. Is it season tickets or is it actual tickets? I, I believe that the, the, the deal in place at our club is where um, if the ground's sold out and the season, ticket does, the season ticket holder can't make the game or doesn't wish to go, he can sell his season ticket seat for as much as he should so wish on StubHub. So you see Chelsea tickets going for 600-odd quid up to a grand, mm-hmm. and then you'll get um, tourists from America, not not like Tottenham fans with America who've like fallen in club with the fallen in love with the club in one way or another from abroad. It's it, people who are genuinely in London looking at Buckingham Palace and have, have seen a, a poster for BT Sport and think that's a good idea and have spent 600 quid each to go and watch Tottenham-Chelsea, whereas... There's two hard-working Tottenham fans that aren't allowed in the ground to sing and support their club because there's there's somebody else there. So that's the that's the sticking point for us that people can essentially rip off their own their own fans, their own people, and let other people go into the ground well, I, for more money than it's worth. I don't know if you're aware about this as well, Raj. And I don't know if this is the the same with Everton as well. There's a slightly more sinister caveat to it as well that's recently been discovered that um, you can actually... So say, for example, if there were a Tottenham fan selling his ticket for the Arsenal game um, at face value, someone can actually come and buy that face value ticket on StubHub, then relist it back onto StubHub for an inflated price. (laughs) So this is kind of... This is also creating this warped 
crazy market whereby fans are actually are trying to do the good thing by selling on their ticket at face value. As the club always says when people criticise the scheme, mm-hmm. it's just been exploited by people who are realising that, taking someone else's generosity, then relisting the ticket for an inflated price again. I mean, for me, the system is only inherently wrong. Um, and I, I, I believe there's been quite a big protest, hasn't there, at Goodison about it? Or was there a, a march or has, something or other? That, that wasn't specifically about StubHub. Um... And I think the march that was a couple of years ago now was about Everton not actually making that much money from non-football side of things. Um, and I think, if anything, Stubble probably was a shot across their bow to say, look, we are making money. Uh, we're trying to avoid touts and things like that. Um, but And I know there's a movement that's sort of gathering a bit of pace against StubHub. And I, I see the point totally. There's, there's uh, The Football Supporters Federation are looking to try and bring in uh, a national scheme where people only sell their tickets at face value or for maybe a pound or two extra and the it, the, the third party who, who are selling those tickets facilitating that take that money to keep going sort of thing. Um, which I know StubHub take a fee. So selling a ticket at face value, you actually, you actually lose a bit of money. Yeah. But if you're not going the game, then you actually make 25 quid or what have you. So, you know, and, and you get... The, the idea is that a fan that wants to go gets the ticket and, and goes and makes noise that you would have made if you were there. But obviously, as as you've pointed out, what's happening is that fans are buying those tickets, selling them on at an inflated price. You know, someone's selling the, the Liverpool ticket for £460. All they have to do is add 50 quid to that and they've got a season ticket. Exactly. You know, and you can understand say someone adding a tenner on, you know, whatever, that's a couple of pints. That's that's generally what a lot of people would do anyway. You know, you buy a ticket face value, you, you buy the person a pint when you meet them down the pub before the game. Yeah. But this 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 whole kind of adding three, four hundred quid on because, you know, oh, because I've bought a season ticket, I'm entitled to this. I don't even want to make it an issue about season ticket holders because it's not. I know plenty of season ticket holders that will sell their ticket on a face value. But one of the arguments is very often levied about the scheme is that, I've paid what six, seven hundred quid for the past five, ten, fifteen years um, as a season ticket holder. It's my turn to start getting some money back from my season ticket, and I don't know. I guess that's just something personally I disagree with. But I can't. the way I view the club on the matter is, whenever I'm in the ground with, with Tottenham fans, I could never have met them before in my life. But I don't want to sound too sentimental about it, but if I'm in that group with that number of people that have the same love towards that, that club and that shirt as I do, they're almost like an extended family for that 90 minutes while I'm there, while you're walking Aww. around the ground with them. It is when, it's, it's almost like a community thing. It's something we're losing in modern football. And if I find out that, that somebody that could have been sat next to me sold their ticket for 800 quid and mugged off a proper fan for, for their hard work money when they could have sold it to him for, for a 60 quid face value, it, it doesn't sit right. Yeah, and I've just, I mean, while, we, while we've been talking, I've just flicked through a few of the Everton games that are available on it. I've looked at Spurs. For the rest of the season, Spurs have got sort of no tickets available on theirs. If you look on the Everton page, um, you'll notice that there's always the same ticket available for every game, right the way up to Man City at home, which is the last game of the season. That's not someone who's bought a season ticket and can't go that week because they're selling a ticket for the game that's in seven months' time. Uh, they're, sell- they're selling a ticket for £132 against Man City and the week before against Man United for £132 as well. It's the same seat. 
let's not beat around the bush. The, the man or woman that has bought that season ticket to make profit out of another fan is a cunt. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't yeah, do there's, that. There's no two ways about no, that. I fully agree with you. <laughs> so, well, if, he, if he's selling every ticket at 132 quid a pop, I mean, he's not going to sell all 19 games, but he'll sell 10 of them. So he's made 800 quid profit on his season ticket this season. Yeah, cunt. And he can go to nine games. <laughs> I think, well, we can all categorically agree then, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I don't think Kevin <laughs> Nolan can use a computer. <laughs> he can use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so... You you sort of touched on it a little bit, um, so to speak. We're talking about moving from cunts to touching on it a little bit, but anyway. Um... <laughs> what, what fucking land are we going with? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, I like it. <laughs> is it wet? Uh, <laughs> no, that, that, that's just Baines. But um, uh, <laughs> we're uh, so we're talking about. Ken, right now, a lot is is often made of this, like you know, your financial situation, so on and so forth. But I mean, the man's a Premier League chairman. You get a lot of money from being in the Premier League year after year, and it sounds to me like you were just saying then that you know there was already a march about you not spending a lot of money. Is it a, a lot of sort of bullshit? Is it is it someone trying to get out of really investing into the club, or is there some kind of genuine debt issue at the club? It's not something I've ever been aware of. If there is. There's a, there's a huge level of debt at Everton Football Club. Oh, there we go. There's my research. Then, um, well, not obviously. You look at Man United who owe six hundred million pounds to the Glazers or what have you, and, and Liverpool who owe you know three or four hundred million pounds to um, whichever American owns them this week. Uh, you know, Everton have got debt of round about sixty five million pounds, which compared to that is is small fry, but compared to our turno- turnover, which is about eighty million, is quite a lot of money. I don't think many fans would ever expect Bill Kenwright to put his own money into the club because compared to other other Premier League chairman, he hasn't got it. If you're comparing Abramovich to Kenwright, it's like comparing the man begging on the street with his dog and a tin can to Bill Kenwright, whereas Bill Kenwright is the Abramovich figure there. You know, he's he's that much poorer than any other Premier League chairman. What I think a lot of people complain about is the fact that the club seems to be run 
at a loss every season, even with the 20, 30, 40 million pounds that you get from Sky, that you get from the Premier League prize money and what have you. There's still this five million pounds, six million pound loss that's made every season, which means that every three or four years we have to sell one of our better players for twenty, twenty-five million pounds, and not in, not reinvest the bulk of that. The the march that was on two years ago was on the day that it had been two years since we actually paid money for a player, and when you when you consider, you know, David Moyes. For all his flaws, did very well in the transfer market, but for him to not actually be able to spend cash on a player is is almost heartbreaking for a club of our standard. That seems to have turned around a little bit with the extra prize money that's come, the extra TV money that's come in this season. But a lot of people are probably going to wonder how long it's going to be before we're back in that situation again. You know, there's a, a line trotted out by the chief executive of Everton, which is 86p in the pound that Everton earn is spent at Finch Farm on, on, on the training ground on wages or, you know, other other things. But there needs to be other aspects of the club that bring money in other than the playing staff. And whereas you've got the likes of Man United and even yourselves to a certain extent with the merchandising and things, Everton don't seem to have that side. Well, I think this is something you, you've been trying to address this summer. There was this whole um, like debacle with the badge, re, the rebranding. <laughs> um, what a horrible way of what a ho- branding! You don't brand the football club. But well, but this is this is it. though. this is the way it's going, isn't it? You know, people talk about the fact that Spurs. I mean, this is one of the the big points of conjecture at the moment is that we're not a, we're not a football club anymore. It's bigger than that. It's a business. It's a brand. As you know, you've got our chairman going off to fly off and have discussions with. NFL teams you know I, I know nothing about the NFL I don't care about the NFL but for some reason this is this is good for my team you know for me you know getting three points on a Saturday is what's good for my team but apparently now what's also good is our like I say our chairman having discussions with the 49ers and for you, you know our, the being a billboard or the being a, a tube in New York that's got a Tottenham badge on it um, and this this does seem to be very much the way the, the game's going, and how you know it's something that we seem to have to embrace really if you want to stay afloat. I mean, something I'll put to the the two of you that we again put to the Villa guys. Um, I keep <coughs> referring back to the Villa guys because I see kind of Villa, Spurs, Everton all in that similar bracket where you know we've all kind of had our ups and downs trying to get into the top four. If there were the chance there for you to have a Man City Chelsea style buyout. Would you want it? Yeah. You would? In a heartbeat. The history books show that you won trophies. They don't show how much you spent to win them. Um, In the the 60s, Everton were called the Mersey Millionaires, the Bank of England Football Club. They weren't affectionate nicknames. They were what we call Man City and Chelsea now. I mean, is there not that part of you, though, that would would not see it the same if you were to say you know after all these years like surely the the year when you broke into the top four through graft and through years of building a team and through having you know a great youth system getting into that top four must have you know as we know it's it's a fantastic achievement but then to then say have a massive (coughs) cash takeover you spend 500 million one summer and you go and win the league the next year, would you not see it as, obviously in the time and the place, as 
Um, Joe, the Chelsea fan that we spoke to, he said, you know, put yourselves in our position on the evening of the Champions League final. <laughs> no one cared how much we'd spent. <laughs> yeah. But you, yeah. but even speaking to him, he, yeah, you could hear his tone as we really pressed him and we said, yeah, but did you really fit afterwards when you look at it in retrospect, you look at everything that surrounds it, did you really feel that? Like you'd really, really grafted and really achieved it and you could tell it was a sticking point for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, I, I, the, the I, Chelsea I, fans haven't been that obvious since the Fulham fans have been. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love us, I'd love us to win it on our own melee. I'd love us, I'd love without going to Ke- sound like Kevin Keegan there for a minute. <laughs> I, I was, I'd love it to to happen on our own merit with no sort of uh, outside influence. But on the same side of the coin, if we got that investment and we won the league and then the Champions League and then the league again I wouldn't give a shit yeah I'd be happy as football the reason we go to the match is we go to watch our team and we'll support whoever plays for that team won't we I'm sure I speak for all of us here then when I say that whether it's it's Brett Angel or hang on hang on no wait stop 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 you can't go down that fucking route support our team for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, you know, or whoever. But whether it's Brett Angel or Sergio Aguero playing for you, you support the team. They're wearing an Everton shirt or a Spurs shirt. Whoever lifts the championship trophy in an Everton or Spurs shirt is lifting the championship trophy in an Everton or Spurs shirt. It's going to feel like Everton or Spurs have won the league, regardless of whether you've spent £500 million to buy those players or whether they've all come through your academy. The way you win the league is by having the best players. And the way you get the best players is to spend the most money. I levelled the same thing at you that I I said to the Chelsea lad. I said, I would... I'd go to the games, I'd celebrate the Champions League like everyone else in this stand. For that time and and place at the moment we lift the cup, I'd be ecstatic. I'd, I'd, I'd love every moment of it. I'd celebrate it just as passionately I would if we had done it in the right means and we'd done it on our own merit. But it'd be when, after the game, I've, I've arrived home and I'm on my own, I look at myself in a mirror and I can see the foot of <laughs> Steve Perryman on the back wall lifting the FA Cup in yellow. And in my heart of hearts, I'll know that we haven't done it the right way. And that might just mean me a, a fucking flowery northern lefty that wants to do things the right way and wants to to do it with some sort of moral justice, but I couldn't I couldn't let it lie within myself. Uh, it, my own moral compass, I don't think, would allow it. Maybe 14 more years <laughs> down the line of, of me seeing Tottenham get there, but miss out, I'd, I'd be 55, 60 and think, fuck it, someone buy yeah. us, let me see us win a cup. When you tell the story... I feel right now. When you tell the story about when Gaza played for you, when um, Gary Lineker played for you, when Jurgen Klinsmann played for you, um, I know we spoiled your party in 1995 in the Dream FA Cup final, but if if you'd have got to that FA Cup final and won that in 30, 40, 50 years' time, when you've got your grandkids sat on your knee and you're telling them about how Jurgen Klinsmann scored the winner and lifted the cup, does, does it matter how he, got, how he came to come to the club? It's... You know, imagine now, say, imagine Spurs were Man City and Sergio Aguero had scored that last-minute winning goal to win the Premier League for Spurs instead of City. 
against well, Arsenal. Was, was, yeah. I think, yeah, if it was over Arsenal, I think it would be slightly... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I could comfort myself there, yeah. just, The yeah. scenario somewhat. Yeah. I mean, if it's a cup final against Arsenal, I think I'd... I, I might not stop short of selling my soul to see us do better than that. <laughs> in, in that the respect, level of hate I have towards them. In that but, scenario, uh, I think you'd go home and do something else, wouldn't you, Raj? In, uh... Yeah, seriously, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd watch the game back with a box of tissues and lotion. I wouldn't fucking get home. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're a scouser, aren't you, Pauline? You do what every scouser does after their team's won the Champions League, and that's go to bed early. Controversial. <laughs> 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 we do that on another person's contact or, or on another person's podcast. But I'm, I'm, we can, yeah. I'm, I've just realised I've listened oh. to the highlights back in my head, and I sound really, really bitter. That's fine, <laughs> and I'm, I'm quite proud because that's exactly how it came. I can't make it through a show without having at least one or two digs at Arsenal. It just—it's something in my heart that that always beats out. It might be the same for you towards Liverpool, but I'm one of those people that if they lose, it's. It feels as good as a win for Tottenham. So if I watch them lose, I will enjoy that game as much as I enjoyed watching Tottenham win. The oh, level oh, of which I, I dislike. Can't. That's how bad I am, boys. I can't even watch fucking Liverpool on the telly without falling asleep. <laughs> I don't, I, I, not just saying this to score points of view, I fucking hate Liverpool as well. I'm always going on about how much I hate them. Um, so... I've 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 got I've got love for Everton. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm I'm really not looking forward to having to sit down and speak to a Liverpool fan when we do that version of it. Just because, yeah. Just I, think I, once I, again, we'll be. Call level, put us in the group conversation. Make sure you get one from Liverpool if you possibly can. That's not a bad. Not a Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, I mean, all I can say is it's going to be a long time before he has an early night again. Yeah. Did he do Skype in Norway? <laughs> <laughs> do you? Do you? Uh, I mean, how do you boys see Spurs doing? Just for for an impartial view, um, we always like to ask our our guests how they see our our team doing this season. Um, have you you been impressed by Tottenham at all this year? How have you seen us uh, over the oh, past couple of years honest. and where we're gonna what we're I gonna think do? You've started. You've started really, really well this season, and you. You've, you look like you aren't missing Bale at all. Uh, Townsend, who you mentioned before, has been a very bright light. Um, and I can see you honestly finishing round one, fourth or fifth. That's probably about a stack of views. That's without being biased. Because I can see you finishing third if you finish fourth or fifth. Then. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Si? I tend to agree, really. I've watched Spurs a couple of times this season and... It's kind of almost like you're in a bit of transition period at the moment because you brought in a lot of players in the summer. You know, Paulinho and Soldado, uh, Lewis Holtby joined in January, didn't he? The, yeah. There seems to be a few players that are, are coming through as well. Andros Townsend obviously broke into the first team, and it almost seems like there's almost too many players coming into the side at times. And during the same game, you can watch Spurs look really out disjointed but then play some of the best football that you've seen that week. Mm. And it's, it's a strange one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you needed Jermaine Defoe to score the winner the other week, didn't you? To, to come on or come off the bench. And that, that must seem a bit strange for him, having been there for so long, seeing all these new players come in and then still be coming off the bench and scoring. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is something that's been brought up. I, th- I think there's been discussions about... 
it doesn't feel that Spursy at the moment. You know, we've we've got uh, somewhat of our identity there. We got Dawson there. We got Defoe there. Um, Lennon coming back. Mm. But we do have so many new faces there at the moment that it, it is taking a bit of time to adjust to it. You know, we've lost our, our big faces like Ledley King, like Gareth Bale, Van der Vaart. Um, and he it's... missed Ledley King. Oh, big time, man. Every big week. time. Really? Yeah, he's... Ledley King's just one of those players that it, it, when you saw his name on the team sheet, you'd breathe a sigh, you'd breathe a sigh of relief. You'd, you'd feel more comfortable. You'd you'd feel more confident going into a game just because he the, the players around him would look more more composed when he was playing, and you could tell when he wasn't. Such was his effect in the dressing room and around the place. It's it's one of those things as well. It's not just one of these Spurs fans eulogising about our kind of club captain. If you if you actually look back on the stats um, of the Spurs' games when he's played versus games that he hasn't played, it's it's. Pretty astonishing, especially in his past couple of seasons. Um, how many games I've, I've, we we lost? Hardly any games in which King started. Um, versus, you know, you could have the next week when he maybe wasn't starting, and we'd lose that game. So it, it, he just had such an effect over the club um, as, as a whole. He was our linchpin. He was our captain. Um, I'll be and, honest with you, I didn't realise he was that influential. I really honestly didn't. I knew he was good, like, but I didn't realise he was that good for you. No, he was massive. I mean, had he not had a knee that was held together with, with blue tack and sellotape, <laughs> <laughs> he would have been one of those players where he, he probably would have joined one of the big boys, your AC Milan, yeah. your, your Madrid. He would have he would have gone at some point because he was just that good. But because nobody could, could play him and train him, the only place he'd ever go is us, I think. Redknapp wanted him at QPR at one point because he loves collecting old people on fucking rolling <laughs> contracts. I'm sure Tony Pulis would have had him at Stoke on a on a rolling oh. contract, stick him on the bench next to Michael Owen for a bit. But oh, Tony Pulis, you just made me sick of me, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he played about as as attractive football as David Moyes did, and you put with that for long enough. <laughs> Again, David Moyes, you just made me sick of me. <laughs> David Moyes never wore a baseball cap. <laughs> David Moyes never looked that much of a cunt. Yeah. Well, have you seen him and in that three-piece suit? He looked like he was going out on on day trip somewhere. That's, <laughs> hey, that, that's his that's his paedophile suit that he used to wear. <laughs> alleged, alleged, alleged. paedophile. Yeah. But <laughs> well, if you got lawyers, we don't have lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> How do you see the game going? Because, I mean, Spurs, we, we don't have a good record at Goodison Park at all. I mean, last um, season was fucking horrible at Christmas, losing two goals in the last two minutes. Oh, no, that was oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was lovely. <laughs> yeah, but it was. After uh, Clint Dusty scored off someone's backside, didn't he? About two minutes before. <laughs> but it was, it was Stephen Pienaar shot over the bar, I think, in the first half. And you're like, we're giving it, that's why we sold you. And then he scored in the last <laughs> bit of equalised. So for about 30 seconds, we gave you, that's why we bought him. And then Nicky Gielovic scored, I think, probably his last goal for Everton, was it? Yeah, it um, was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think, as we say, there was just limbs everywhere. We had a, um, a listener, uh, let me just find it a few seconds, who actually asked, um, it was Nick underscore THFC, who said... Um, why was Pienaar so shit for Tottenham? <laughs> and do you reckon 
he we could have kept him and used him to better effect because he's he's fantastic for Everton. Whereas for us, he was a, a squad player that we rarely ever used, and he he just seemed lethargic whenever we put him on. Leighton Baines. Yeah, Leighton Baines. It's it's that partnership. That's exactly what I was going to say. Say. I was gonna I was gonna flower the unit up a bit. <laughs> Led, uh, speaking of Ledley King, here's a nice little link. Uh in his autobiography he was actually saying that Pino never actually seemed like he wanted to come to Spurs. Um so I mean is there anything to do with perhaps finances? Because there was a, a few whispers around at the time that he'd actually kind of been pushed into the sale that you you yeah, kind of he, forced it for for a bit of money. He was holding back on a on a new contract. I think. I think he, he wanted a bigger deal at Everton. Um, and I think once once he got to the January and wasn't going to sign that, then we kind of pushed him your way. We we got him up oh, the summer. We we got him back on loan. And at the end of his loan spell, oh, the last home game, he, they do the 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 march of honour or whatever round lap of thanks around the pitch, and he was crying, saying goodbye to Everton fans at the end of that loan spell you know it i think footballers find a club where it feels like home and it sounds dead corny and you know they're on 70 80,000 pounds a week but they're still human beings at the end of the day and i think they find clubs where they feel like they belong and well, not at all i mean look at robbie Keane. for us he, he were he were literally traveling every other <laughs> window to here there and everywhere across Europe and then he stayed at White Hart Lane for about eight seasons before yeah. Rafa Benitez decided he wanted to make him into a left winger and that didn't apparently work <laughs> well which I didn't see fucking coming myself when you play a striker on the left but he ended up coming back to us tail between legs a few weeks later and he was a, a shell of a man I mean he yeah, was, he was never his... he was never forgiven for that though he, he no, was he... he was genuinely well on his way to being probably put in that legendary bracket with us but the whole way he acted and the way he left the acrimonious kind of circumstances that surrounded it. Well, he was he was joining one of his seven boy old clubs. Wasn't uh, exactly, he? So, you know. But now he's at LA Galaxy, which is his apparently true. He dreamt of it. He dreamt of playing for LA Galaxy when he was a boy in Didn't Ireland. Didn't he used to watch Liverpool on the cup every fucking week? Well, did, did LA Galaxy actually exist when Robbie Keane was a boy? He must be about sixty three now. <laughs> Probably did in Robbie Scotty, Keane's world. Robbie Keane, Robbie Keane using the Cubu's passport. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the game itself, how can you see yourself setting up? Are you going to go for the juggler? Are you going to come out all guns blazing? I think I'd like to be. think so. Hey, 4-2-3-1. I think we're going to play. Does that add up to 10? <laughs> I, thought you were give, I thought you were giving a fucking score. 4-2-4-3-1. <laughs> No, four two three one. We got Gareth Barry and James McCarthy in front of the in front of the defenders. I think the defenders pick themselves. Coleman and Baines are going to want to get forwards. Um, Distan and Jags pick themselves at, at the back at the moment. Obviously, Lukaku up front, and um, you know whoever's left over, <laughs> Pina, Morales, and either Leon Osman or Ross Barkley. Yeah. The, the thought of Lukaku coming up against our defence at the moment is pretty terrifying. Um, he's he's just looks phenomenal, doesn't he? Five goals in five games in the Premier League, you know, and this is a player that Chelsea have let go. Who Chelsea can't buy a result, although I don't want to invoke any any kind of curse or anything. But the last time I looked, they were beating your good friends from across the way. Yeah, it was one nil, I think, as we started recording. It's two nil now. Oh, really? Lovely. 
That's a nice surprise for me. I'm I'm in my garage at the minute, so I, I've got, I've got a TV <laughs> to on. He's in his garage and they've got a match on. You can't go back to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> my basement really looks I'll get the popcorn ready. <laughs> Just fucking wrecked it for him, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> And if you don't want to know the score, look away now. Have you noticed that's changed now? It used to be look away now. Now it's leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah, give yeah. you enough time. Leave the room. It's 4-0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all 27 goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what do you think the score will be, Si? 2-1 uh, either way. 2-1 either way. Um, what about you, Ed? It's weird getting called Ian. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I don't get called Ian by no one. It's proper strange. Um, <laughs> What's that call you? Bally. I get called Bally by everyone. Bally. All right then. Bally. I, yeah. I feel a bit overly familiar now, but you've called me. It's, it's, it. it's all right. It's all right. Love you. Carry on. <laughs> it's all right. Um, when we all end up in court together, we'll know each other well then. <laughs> the yeah, David, yeah. David Moyes paedophile right. trial that we're all cheering <laughs> <laughs> Operation Utery. <laughs> Everyone's used to my Peter Pan jokes. So. <laughs> <laughs> the kids Rolf. love them. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Rolf and Jimmy. They love yeah. them. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it's 2-2. Uh, uh, I don't normally go for the draw either. 2-2. Two, two. Raj? Um, yeah, there'll be goals because Lukaku scares and arouses me in equal measure. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, he, he'll yeah he'll score, and then I think us from open play has been a bit strange. But that's because teams tend to sit back, and with Martinez Martinez in charge, Maltese, there's no that, way he'll be that. defensive. Maltese, that's yeah. a new name for me now. <laughs> Maltese, <laughs> David Moyes, light. Roberto Maltese, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he won't. He won't set up to defend, will he? He only knows one way to play. And um, yeah, it, yeah so it'll be open. But I mean, there'll be plenty of space either side. So it'll be. I reckon it'll be a decent game to see. I think it'll be one of the games where we actually managed to to get our fucking foot on the ball because when we got you got Steve Bruce coming and putting nine men in a solid wall on the edge of your box, which is what he did at the weekend. There's no way you can play attractive football in front of that. Because he's happily taking nil nil, but Martinez is one of those managers where he will want out, want to go out and win every game that he can, which is a slightly strange mentality I have. Given most top managers will will pick their fights a bit more cleverly, but he um he he is one of those. Even at Wigan, when they they escape rele- relegation, he would um regulation <laughs> he would um he'd go out and he'd, he'd try and win every game so that's that's to his credit if anything um so yeah it'll be decent so there'll be plenty of goals 2-2 sounds good to me um escaping goodison with a point is is a bonus so yeah i'll, I'll take that yeah your record is shite isn't it yeah it's, it's fucking horrible I, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm 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 not gonna be too much then. <laughs> I, I was gonna say I'm not gonna be too popular amongst the Spurs fans, but I'm not looking forward to this game. I I'm gonna have to say three one Everton, I think. Really? Yeah, I've got I can really see you turning us over. Is he just being negative? He's just being negative. I'm I'm, gen- I'm generally not that negative to be honest. Um <laughs> Well we actually play better at away from home as than we do at home. I mean, our home form and home support is an entirely different matter, but 
the the away fans and the away the way we play away with no fear and everything is is a nice thing to see. So I, I can't imagine us not um, not putting a show on. I mean, it's one of those rare away games where we where we should be wearing our um, our home strip as well, which is always nice and traditional to see. None of this third kit nonsense that we've got going on at the minute, but it's um it'll be good. We've had our badge change recently as well. It's one of those that goes under the radar, but we used to have uh, Latin on ours as well, but that, that went a few years ago when it was deemed... It doesn't look too bad. I, I quite like the Spurs badge, to be honest. Yeah, it's not it's, too bad, the Spurs badge. They kind of mixed it. Recognizable. Yeah, they mixed it with the old sort of retro-looking one, didn't they, really? It's just mm. a shame to lose the, the Latin on there, but... Yeah. We used to have all the trees for the Seven Sisters and everything, that all of the all the history in the badge that... that, that Proper fans by inch is gone, but I suppose it could it be worse. Like it. It, yeah, exactly. It could look like it belongs on a Fisher Price toy. <laughs> it does look like it's got a crayon on the front of it. You knew on that. <laughs> yeah. The tower does look terrible. Does ass is fucking off. It's an abomination, and there's a fucking poster of it at the bottom of my street, outside, right outside my fucking house. I've got to walk past that bastard thing every fucking day. Fisher Price fucking toys on me, Everton fucking kid. <laughs> Balls, are you sounding a bit like a, a, a Scouse victim, Eldry, there, mate? Like... <laughs> That's enough. He's actually talking. He's, he's actually talking to you through a Jack Russell. <laughs> hey, we said we'd leave that one alone. It's not a Jack Russell. It's a Pomeranian. Right, I'll I tell you what, boys. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for giving us your time this afternoon. Well, this evening, Cheers, I should say. Thanks for having us. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you in the Champions League final next season. Uh, oh, Everton Spurs idea. Champions League final. There you I'd, go. I'd be all right, wouldn't it? You heard it here first. <laughs> But yeah, thanks so much. Get us back on for that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, get, well, we'll see you down the pub. We'll record it from there, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> I could, it, would, it could provide some interesting material, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Anyway, then, lads, you, you have a nice evening. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, thanks for that. So... We're still talking in Falk and Scouse accents here, Arge, because we didn't get any fucking guests on this week, did we? Like, so we just pretended we were Scouses. I I played the path of a uh, Bali, and you were you were the other fella. I was Sai, who I called Sam at the start. That was a fucking dickhead move, man. You've got one job. I tell, I'm gonna I'm drop it now. We're not sorry, I can't do that. sorry, Bali, sorry, Sai. Yeah. I know, sorry, lads. We we can we can help it, but uh, that's about the level of humour you get when you're with us plebs. But um, how how do you see us setting up to play over too much? Because you know, as, as I said, I'm not particularly optimistic about it. I I really think it's a tough fixture. I think they're a very good side. I think they made some really good signings this summer. They're playing really good football. Uh, I'm really worried about this one. They haven't lost at home yet. Um, they, as I say, with Martinez, they're not going to go into this game for for anything but wanting three points. Um, they're one point behind us in the league, so fairly similar starts. Uh, in terms of us setting up, it'll be the, the same formation, the four-two-three-one as we always do. That's that's AVB's way of of playing in the Premier League now. I think we're all fairly comfortable with that. Um, Everton, as they said, playing the same formation, so it will be very open. Um, it'll be a, a game won and lost in the in the middle of the park. Um, where Dembele and and Polino and Sandro will, will most likely be playing. Um, you see it being those three. I do at the moment. I, I, 
I, I think possibly if, it depends on which one of them plays in midweek. So the one that probably gets a run out, it, either Paulinho or Dembele, um, won't play again on the weekend. So I think Sandro's definitely, I think he's due a rest against Hull. Uh, purely because he, he looks really tired and lethargic. Oh, he looked leggy, leggy, didn't he? Which is understandable given how long he was out and the fact that he played three games in a week is it's perfectly, um, perfectly understandable. It's um, he deserves a week off now just to try and get his his fitness back a little bit more. And then, um, yeah, so it'll be one of those two and Sandro, and then it'll probably be um, Ericsson. Uh, rather than Holtby, I'd imagine. But again, that's that's sort of for debate on depending on who starts midweek. Um, but it'll be the, the same formation, the, the regular people as, as we'd expect. But um, I, I can't call it. I, I definitely know we'll, we'll both score because it's a, it's a Roberto Martinez side, and there's there's always goals. Um, but I'm I'm actually looking forward to it much more than I have previous games because there it's it's away from home. Where we perform much better than we do at home, which we've already discussed in terms of what we have to play with at home, and um, the, the the fact that Martinez will will go out and try and attack us is something that we've not really had to to deal with much this season with with opposition managers. We do get a lot of people wanting to defend, whether it be home or away. It's often that cliche is often said of us when when we're playing away that we look like the home side. Um, so I am looking forward to seeing it. I imagine it'll be a spectacle. Um, it's actually my dad's birthday, 40th birthday on, happy, on Sunday. Happy birthday, play. Papa B. Chris, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's his birthday, so I'm I'm hoping we win for his birthday because if he's anything like me, which he is, it'll it'll put a dampener on his day if uh, if Tottenham lose. It'll be a uh, literal shit in the birthday cake. It, it will. Um, I mean... A day well, before, not a literal. I've I've misused literal, haven't I? I've made that I've made that error. Well, no, the the Oxford Dictionary, Oxford English Dictionary has uh, amended the the meaning of literal now, so that Jamie uh, Redknapp doesn't seem like a dick on a weekly basis. So, so the, the the Oxford Dictionary has amended literally, so it no longer means literally. literally. Yes, it's literally changed literally, yeah, which is absurd. Literally absurd. This this country's going to the dogs, mate. It is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. It could go either way. Um, it'll certainly be a, a much more enjoyable game to watch than um, than Hull either side, either either game in the in the Cup or League. Well, so it's um, it's a it's a good one to be playing. Do you see it being Lennon on the left, Townsend on the right again, or do you think he'll start Townsend on the left, Lennon on the right? Because there's that odd kind of swapping around that never seemed to really work at all against Hull. No, I think no matter who plays on the wings, um, whichever pairing is, they'll always be swapping. I think that's that's the way in which wingers, um, especially in the modern game, operate. You can't just be a, a specialised winger on either one side. You have to be able to to not if use one foot. You have to be effective in, in cutting in or going outside on either flank, um, which was something that was always levelled at Lennon when he was younger, that he didn't do it as much. But he's, it's something that he's brought into his game. He has looked, um, as much as I've eulogised in the past couple of weeks, he has looked a little bit short of the the um, the confidence and the, the, uh, the match springiness that he has in the past. You know that... The thing with him is, with his pace, it's instant. So, you know, when he starts running, he's going at full tilt. 
he he's going at the same pace he would be had he been running five seconds. Whereas somebody like Gareth Bale never really started that quickly, but by the time he'd, he'd taken two or three strides, he'd be in full tilt. So he, he doesn't look as as fit as he could do, but that's understandable again, given how long he's been out. Um, but um, I'd like to to probably see Lennon come on some point midweek, and um, it'll, it'll probably be um, Townsend and one of Chadley or or, um, or Lennon on the weekend, given that. Chadley should be should be fit hopefully now um, and get a bit of get about sixty minutes under his belt midweek. Be interesting to see. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today. I think it's been been one of the very best personally. Um, I very much enjoyed it. Do you want to um, do a couple of the the listener questions we've been sent in at all? Yeah, go on then. Actually, let's 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 give that a go. We might as well. Sure. As soon as we've actually asked people for their yeah, we uh, we remember to ask someone yeah. this week. So well, people sent them in. Very we've kindly. had. Jeremy Hower, 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 um, at Jeremy I think Hower. it's Hower and it, it rhymes with Jack Bauer, Hower. It's Hotel Alpha Uniform Echo Romeo, for anyone listening. Jeremy Hower, Hower, ha. Um, but it's at Jeremy Hower, his name. He says, why do Spurs have trouble breaking down smaller clubs at White Hart Lane? What's the solution? Oof, um... The trouble is we're still bedding in into our own skin. We're still settling into the, the squad and the players and the manner in which we need to perform. It almost mirrors the place that we were last season. But last season we weren't winning the games at home. We were we were drawing them all in, in one of the cases, losing them at home. Um so it's definitely an improvement. I think we'll we'll hit our stride around Christmas and that's when we'll we'll know the way in which we're playing. Um I think the balance isn't quite there yet. With us um, being in so many different competitions, and the rotation of the squad, I don't think we've got as right yet. With often with players, you need to to not only with um, with their own positions, you need to work out who they work best with on a wing. So Carl Walker this week, who congratulations to him, has, has got a new contract. Um, well deserved, in my opinion. He's been one of my players of the season. His role in, in Townsend development down the right has been has been huge in my opinion because the way in which he gets forward and gets back has allowed Townsend to express himself and, and because he's not really had to overlap as much, he's been able to, to concentrate a little bit more defensively. So their balance is really good and it's actually one of the reasons Roy Hodgson publicly pointed out that he picked Townsend was because of the club connection with, with Walker. So I think it's getting that same balance on the left, which we can't strike as yet because Danny Rose is out, which at the start of the season, if you told me that the left side of our of our team was going to look disjointed because Danny Rose wasn't playing and he was a, a major factor in our team working properly, I would have told you you're a fucking idiot. But <laughs> the way in which it's worked out is that we are actually missing him now. So um, the, the sooner he gets fit, the better, because Kyle Norton has has looked worse with every game he's played. And I understand that he's he's had to play on both flanks and that he's often accommodated just because he's he's flexible where he plays. But the fact he was sheriff away, he was struggling and getting skinned in his proper position at right back was worrying because they're not very good. So Premier League level right back shouldn't be be looking like a dog's dinner when he, he's been getting done that. Um it's almost it's almost a shame that Ezekiel Fryers has, has done himself a mischief. Otherwise, he'd he'd probably be playing as well. 
Do you think there's anything at all, though, with Norton, as we were saying, um, about the crowd getting on players' backs? Because he is a player that's been singled out you know, quite a lot by a large majority of Spurs fans. Do you, do you think there can be an aspect of pressure that's affecting his game? Because we've seen when he's gone up to Norwich, he, he wasn't tearing up trees, uh, as the crap analogy goes, but he was still a decent Premier League standard footballer for them. But he has looked, as you say, woeful for us. Um, I think with certain players, we can we can point towards the, the unrest in the home crowd and, and say it's having an effect. Some of them have, have come out and, and publicly said it's not the the most enjoyable place to, to play their trade as, as it could be. But with Norton, the fact that we've seen him play in a vibrant White Hart Lane, we've seen him play away where the home support is fantastic and the home support rarely get on anybody's back because it is just the, the people that go and support Tottenham away, the people that want to, to sing and want to have a good time of it wherever the wherever they've travelled across across the country or Wales even. So I, I can't really give that excuse to Norton. It may be me being a bit harsh on him because you, you do have the tendency once you've made a definitive opinion about a player to, to rarely see the other side of it. But with, with Norton, I, I do think I've, I've crossed the threshold now where I'm I'm willing to give him a chance. I, I do think that the only reason he's, he remains in the squad is the fact that he can play on either flank to a somewhat respectable level I'm not even going to say Premier League to, to just a respectable level because we're, that's the the area in the pitch where the thinnest I think that's that's saved his skin a little bit I can't see him getting a new contract anytime soon in this in the same manner as Carl Walker well there you go you knee-jerk bastard <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um well I think yeah that is all we do have time for this week there's a couple of things I want to mention um uh, a, a good friend of the show, the Spurs poet, has uh, asked me to inform any of our listeners in Northern Ireland that on the 1st of November, Friday the 1st of November, um, he's actually hosting a Legends Night. Uh, we've got crackers from the brilliant Owen, the Spurs podcast, actually um, comparing. And he's going to have Graham Roberts and Mickey Hazard there at the Ross Park Hotel County Antrim. So, if you want a bit more info on that, just speak to him on Twitter. It will be at the Spurs Poet, and he can fill you in on any of the relevant details there. Um, of course, any if of the, any mm. of the tweets you send him as well, he, he won't reply if they're not in rhyming couplets. So, um, any questions you've got, make sure <laughs> make sure they're in nice prose for him. Otherwise, he, he's he's not going to reply. He's he's a bit precious like that, but no, <laughs> he's he's a lovely guy. Um, and, yeah, I was a bit premature earlier, not the first time I said that, but, yeah, in saying that this has, for me, been one of the best episodes we've ever recorded. However, don't let that stop you from listening to previous episodes of Rule the Roost, which you can find, as ever, on SpursStatman.com or on our iTunes page. Uh, this week coming out on SpursStatman.com, we've got a, a number of good articles. We've got Steve Jennings, who is our tactical-statistical chap, um, who's got a, a, an article up at the moment um, analysing the whole result. Uh, we've got Ben Alfrey at InsideN17 who's writing an article currently about how we're overachieving despite the public misconception that we're not. Uh, you can, of course, f- get all the uh, info on these articles and when they're released by following the Spurs Statman Twitter account at Spurs Statman. Um, you can also get, of course, all of JP, the bosses, 
brilliant outputs there about anything that's happening to do with Spurs and statistics. You can get me, me occasionally as well commandeering his feed. He trusted me with a password uh, a while ago, so every now and then when I get bored, I'll go fishing for Arsenal fans. And, and when, <laughs> If it's not statistical and it seems vaguely out of figure, it's usually me having a play and he'll send me a text afterwards saying... Why have you done that? <laughs> He's a bit scary as JP. Um, I, I I even feel intimidated emailing him, but there we go. <laughs> he's, he's a really mysterious figure. He's almost like Joe Lewis. He's like the Joe Lewis to the pod in that he lives miles away. I've never spoken to him aside from through email. I just know that he's kind of the boss and I do as he says. And that's he's, a, he's, a, he's a lovely man. Um, he, uh, I, I correspond with him fairly often and you know, he's... He's he's a lovely man, but he'd punch your mum if you stepped out of line. So <laughs> there you go. That's all I'm saying. Um, you can also follow our uh, podcast Twitter account at RTRSSM. And please feel free to send us through any list of questions throughout the week um, to either the Spurs Statman or the Rule the Roost account. And you can listen to us again next week. But for now, come on, you Spurs. Bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.